0: Nowhere in the book of Acts does it say they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they stopped coming to church because they didn't need anybody else. They were good enough on their own from that point on. It doesn't say that in the book of Acts at all. So if some person or you or something is telling you, you don't need church anymore, you know how to pray, you got your own Bible, you're good on your own, that's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the wild where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. Acts chapter 4. When they heard that, they lifted up, this is verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast appointed both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed were his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by apostles was named, surnamed Barnabas, which being interpreted means the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. What an amazing, powerful, powerful chapter. Uh, I'm going to pray really quick. We got to watch this video. The, the person in this video is just amazing. They are um, one of the most beautiful humans on the planet. So you got to watch this, this video. It's incredible. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. You are holy, just, righteous, loving, kind, generous, and merciful. You are good to us. You created us for a purpose and for a plan to glorify you. Help us to live to glorify you. Help us to be a family, a group, a church of believers whose sole existence is to praise the name of the one who raised his son up from the dead. Help us to be people who are solely and wholly committed to you. Help us to be your church. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You can watch this video and we'll jump into the message.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Oh, are you a woman in need of a group, a small group that is, that encourages and will bless you? Then come on over to Women's Group, Women's Wednesday. It's like a way to remember it. Women's Wednesday. We meet at 6.30 on Wednesday. (laughs) At Sherry Stevens' house. And if you would like more information to learn how you can be a part of Women's Wednesday, contact churchinthewild2 at gmail.com. And don't worry, I am not the only leader. The amazing Amanda France is part of it too. I'm gonna pop her picture down right here so you're not like, I don't know about this crazy lady. But we have a lot of fun. We love just to learn about the Lord, encourage each other, and be a blessing to one another. So Women's Wednesday, 630.
0: See you there. Hey, yes. That is my wife. I love her. She is incredible. And uh, she does she does not love making videos for me. So it, uh, it took me a while, but we got it. We got it. Hey, how many of you in the past week have filled up your car? Anybody? Anybody put gas? Okay. Okay. All right. Maybe, uh, let's do this. How many of you have ever put gas into a car? Okay. How many of you know you don't put it in a plastic trash bag and then smoke a cigarette? You know, do any of you know that? We're all aware of that in Ohio. Okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. Um, Wouldn't it be nice if you just bought a car and filled it up once and then you were like, we're good. I don't ever need to gas this thing up again. Wouldn't that be great? That would be amazing, right? The truth is anytime, you want to go on a trip or a journey anytime you want to go somewhere what do you have to do you have to fill your car up right kind of like anytime you have kids and you want to uh, do anything you have to fill your car up your personal body with with caffeine Right. It doesn't just come with caffeine just built in that just is this never ending supply. Like I need a liquid IV. I just need a drip put into me. Right. When you have a car, you have to fill it up. You want to go on a journey. You have to put gas into your car. Now, at salvation, you are saved once and baptized at salvation by the Holy Spirit. This is a one-time thing. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that when you are saved, you are sealed for the day of redemption. This means that much like in the old days where the kings and the rulers of the land would put their seal on something to say, this is mine. The Holy Spirit, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit says, this child is mine. But life is a journey i believe someone said life is a highway one time right it's a cool song and it's true and the more you want to go in your spiritual journey the more you need to be refilled or refueled by the holy spirit at salvation you are sealed at salvation you are forgiven You are justified and you are redeemed. All of these things happen the moment that you say, God, I cannot rescue myself. I need your son, Jesus, who is God. I need him to save me from myself. You are sealed, redeemed, justified, and forgiven. But even more happens. The day that you accept Jesus Christ, the Bible says that your name gets written in a book in heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name gets written in there. And the Bible says your sins get blotted out. Literally, Christ takes his blood and covers your sins in heaven so that God the Father can never look on your sin again. And one other thing happens. The Bible says in heaven they celebrate, they rejoice. They literally have an epic party every time someone accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we do, we try to, when someone accepts Jesus, we try to have a good time with it because it's a celebration. But how many of you know that if you're going to try to live for Christ in a world that doesn't want you to live for Christ, in a world that everyone's trying to tell you to do everything else and anything else besides live for Him, you need sometimes to be filled and refueled. I believe a lot of time what we call spiritual burnout is actually we just need to be refueled. We didn't burn out. We just stopped getting filled. We need to be consistently filled with the Spirit to live in an inconsistent world. And it is an inconsistent world. I mean, come on. This world's crazy right now, right? I don't know how many of you thought 2021 is going to be better than 2020, and then you woke up and were like, oh, boy, now things are crazy. Now Now we're filling trash bags up. Now there's no gas. I think it took my Jeep like $62 to fill up this week. Right? The world is inconsistent. There's great days and there are bad days. There are good moments and high moments and there are low moments. There are moments when you have a stroke and there are moments when after recovering and having a heart surgery, you beat Jesse in a workout because he used to beat you because you were handicapped. And so he used to pick on you because you had like nine tenths of a heart, but now you're whole. And so you're like, I'm coming after you, right? That hasn't happened yet, but it will. It will. I believe it. <laughs> there are good moments. Man, can you remember the day you married the, you got married and you saw your wife walking down the aisle? Man. There are moments you hold your, your child for the first time. Those are great moments. Great moments. There are moments when your team loses every game for a whole season, you know. There are moments when we worship together and you're like, "Woo!" And there are moments when sometimes you don't really want to. It's an inconsistent world. And so these apostles in Acts chapter 4 Yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. And everyone wants to talk about the day of Pentecost because, man, they spoke in other languages and they had this wind and there was, and everyone wants to talk about that. But often we forget and skip over the fact that in Acts chapter 4, they were again filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were on a spiritual journey and they needed more fuel in their tank just like you and I do We need to be consistently filled with the Spirit to live in an inconsistent world. So, we can look at this passage and say, okay, so what happened when this happened? And how do we know if we're in the right place at the right time to get filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, I want to point out you need to be filled with the Spirit multiple times and you need to have His presence over and over and over again. Salvation is not intended to be a get out of hell card, free, free card like in Monopoly and then you never show up to anything ever again. That's not the intention of it. Now, yes, you, save, you are saved when you accept Jesus Christ, but the intentionality of salvation is so that you can live for God on the, this journey for the rest of your life. So, in this passage, the ground is shaken, which is a continuation of Acts chapter 4, or Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry. These things that are about to take place, that we are going to discuss, are what makes a church a church. And if you're around these things, you know you're in a church. And if you are like me, I I did ministries for years, ministries are great, ministries are not church. I hung out with my buddies on Sundays. Uh, we watched some, some football. We ate pizza, so much pizza and so much Mountain Dew that we could stack the boxes and make pillars. So we like had like our own um, Colossus like in Rome where you walk through the pillars. They were pillars of pizza and they were pillars of Mountain Dew. And occasionally when that happened, we talked about God. And it's great to talk about God. That's not Church. What happens here in Acts chapter 4 and in Acts chapter 2 is the blueprint for what a church looks like. And now I'm uh, going to say something that's going to offend someone, at least. If if you are a person who has been heard recently one of the most misquoted verses in all of the Bible, as soon as I say it, you'll know it because it's like the theme of 2020. As soon as you hear this verse, you'll be like, oh yeah, I heard someone quote this It's one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It is not intended to be the blueprint for a church. In fact, we'll read the entire passage, and you'll see what this passage is about. How many of you have ever heard, you don't have to be embarrassed, I've heard it, I've said it, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst, right? Oh, two of you. Okay, good. Good. All right. All right, three. Okay. We've all heard this at some point. And this verse is so misquoted because this verse is used as an intention of like, you'll hear people say, the church isn't a building. We are the church. Two or three are gathered. There am I. That's true. That's not the blueprint for church. Look at what this verse is actually saying. Matthew chapter 20, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to him, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen... Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church." If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, if two of you agree on anything in uh, in heaven that you ask, it will be done to them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. The truth is, this passage that so often got misquoted in the year 2020 is actually talking about how you do church discipline. It's saying if someone in the church has ticked you off, go to them and say, hey, you ticked me off. And if they say, I don't care, bring another witness and say, hey, we really want to figure this out and solve this. And if they say, I don't want to solve it, I like making you mad, bring it to the church leadership and have the church leadership talk about it. That's the point of this passage. The very next verse after this Is Peter saying, hey, if my brother sins against me seven times, uh, do I forgive him? How many times? And then Jesus says, no, no, not seven times seven, 70 times seven. Forgive him at least 490 times. That's what this passage is talking about is forgiving a brother who sinned against you. The blueprint for the church that God has intended for us is right here in Acts chapter four and also in Acts chapter two. So how do you know if you're in a church? Number one, is scripture preached or taught? Is Scripture preached or taught? If you're hanging out, you're having a good time, but no one's teaching Scripture. That's not church. Church is when the Scripture is preached and taught. Why? Because when this happens, we can have and get refueled by the Holy Spirit. One time in Canton, Ohio, I went to hear a preacher, and um, I might have had a small man crush on him. All right, to be completely honest, he's like he was really a great preacher. And um, I went to hear him preach, and I had been saved, and then I heard this man preach, and it was like salvation all over again. Like I fell in love with Jesus the moment this man started to unpack scriptures. What happened? I was being filled with the Holy Spirit because someone was preaching scripture. We need scripture preached into us so that we can be filled and refueled by the Holy Spirit. It's why we need to gather together and sometimes let people instruct us and exhort us and encourage us. And sometimes we need people to just say, hey, you're doing this wrong. We all need it. Why? Because when Scripture is preached or taught, we can then be filled and refueled by the Holy Spirit. Next, worship happens. Worship happens. In this passage, they begin to quote Scripture and they begin to worship Jesus. Worship allows us to be refueled and refilled by the Holy Spirit. It's why gathering together, which we'll see in a minute, is so important. Because I can sing in my car at the top of my lungs all I want. And the Holy Spirit doesn't do for me what happens when they start singing, Oh, praise the name, in here all of a sudden I feel free and lifted from my sins and I am reminded of the presence of God and His holiness and His justice and His mercy and the Spirit fills us and refuels us again. This is needed regularly. We need to be regularly filled and one way this happens is through worship. Thirdly, Bold witnessing happens, bold witnessing. It says that they witnessed, they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, one thing that will refuel you for Christ is telling somebody else about Christ. This sounds counterintuitive. In the world of burnout, what do we always say? Well, I feel kind of spiritually burnt out, so I don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. But ironically, telling people about Jesus is one of the things that fuels us the most. When I feel down, when I feel empty spiritually, when I feel like, ah, oh, God, I just don't have your presence. I, don't, I, I feel like it's just something off. Witnessing to someone does more for me than anything else because it reminds me of them. Can I just tell you, seeing some of you here who I've been able to witness to over the past years consistently refuels me for this journey that we're on. Witnessing is needed. Next, Um, they were gathering. They gathered. I want to point out something to you. Nowhere in the book of Acts does it say they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they stopped coming to church because they didn't need anybody else. They were good enough on their own from that point on. It doesn't say that in the book of Acts at all. So if some person or you or something is telling you you don't need church anymore you know how to pray you got your own bible you're good on your own that's not the holy spirit telling you that because consistently in the book of acts the holy spirit fills them together and what do they do they then gather together again you know that the early church gathered daily daily not just on sunday Not just in one wildlife group, daily. In fact, one of the indicators of the presence of the Holy Spirit is a desire to gather with those who believe in Him as well. It's one of the indicators. Now I'm not saying, hear me, I'm not saying every week, every Sunday of your life you're going to wake up like, Woo, can't go to church, can't wait. Woo, God's so good today. That's not going to happen every Sunday. I have Sundays like Mother's Day, it was like 42 and raining, and I was like, we, we doing this? We doing this today, right? I'm not saying every day of your life you're going to wake up just, I can't wait to go to church and set pipe and drape up and put all, you know, I, I can't wait. That's not going to happen every week. But the Holy Spirit pulls us into the presence of each other and a desire to be around those who also believe in Him is an indicator of His presence. It is never the Holy Spirit who tells you, you know what, there's this one person at that church, they're not a good person, you should never go to church ever again, because everyone there is bad, you should never go again. Just You're better off on your own. That's not him. Now the argument with this is like, yeah, well later on in the book of Acts, they scattered, and we're supposed to scatter, bro they like, yeah, that's true. Guess what happened when they scattered? They started churches everywhere they went. You want to scatter and start a church? We got something called Leadership Pipeline. We'll plug you into it and you can go through it. It'll take you two years and you can plant your own church after you scatter as well. But they did not go sit on their couch alone and never have anything to do with another believer ever again. That's not the indicator of the, of the Holy Spirit. Next, prayer. 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 They prayed regularly. Often in prayer, the Holy Spirit, maybe, sometimes like we pray for something, God, give me this, and the Holy Spirit's like, you actually just need my presence. Sometimes gathering together to pray is as much about us filling ourselves with his spirit as it is about us getting the answer. Oh, God, please give me the man of my dreams. He's sitting in the seventh row. Give him to me, please. Sometimes God's like, you need the Holy Spirit, not that boy, right? That's as much a prayer as anything else is the Holy Spirit's presence. Next, they were wildly generous. They were wildly generous. Do you see this? This guy named Barnabas sells his house and is like, here, guys, here's the money for my house. Now, I'm not, please hear me. I'm not telling you to sell your house and go live on the streets today, okay? But generosity allows us to be refueled with the Holy Spirit. When we give to those less fortunate, I'll give you an example. We went, I think it was two summers ago, to this place called Stowe Mission. It's on the hilltop. um, It's on Parsons Avenue in Columbus, We went, and uh, we got there, and my biggest concern, if I'm completely honest at this point, was I don't want to park by the guy who has the bulldog, the pit bull, that is just on a big chain tied to his muffler, because that muffler doesn't look like it's going to stay last very long if that dog chases me. That was, like, my biggest concern when I got there. And I don't want to park across the road, because that's one of the highest crime areas in Columbus, one of the most murder capital, uh, one of the highest areas of murder is, like, the other parking lot, And I was like, I ain't parking in that parking lot. My biggest issue was like, God, where do I park? By the time we left, I was like so overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit and how good he is and how gracious he is and how kind he is. There were children there with no shoes in Columbus, no shoes. And we asked them, hey, what are you, it's it's starting to rain. Where are you going? They're like, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen my parents in days. I'm not talking about teenagers. I'm talking about like five-year-olds. And giving and investing in them filled me more than almost anything else. And it was like, God, I want to do this for the rest of my life. That's why we do missions trips, so that you can experience the same thing. I went to a, um, I went to, after Hurricane Katrina, I went to, with the Red Cross, down to Louisiana. And I prayed with the man and shared the gospel with the man who was in a tree holding on to his daughter and his wife. And he had to choose which one he could hold on to. And he couldn't hold them both. And I witnessed to this man who told me I can't be saved. I killed my wife. I let her go and she drowned. And this man and I hugged for like 10 minutes and he sobbed. And I just told him about the love of Christ. And I left there wanting to serve God more than I had ever wanted him to serve or wanted to serve him before when we serve others and we are wildly generous, when it's not about money to us, but it is about let me be generous to anyone and everyone around me. How much can I give to help someone? How much can I do to help someone? How much can I give my life? How much can I give my time? How much can I give my finances? How much can I do to help somebody else? When that happens, the Holy Spirit fills us. And a part of a church is wild generosity. Next, they had a genuine care for one another. A genuine care for one another. Now please hear me and hear my heart on this. I watched online a couple weeks ago when I was in the hospital. Sometimes you watch online. Sometimes that happens. And that's why we have it. We have people who watch from Las Vegas, from Washington, from Georgia, from Michigan, we have people who watch from all around here. We have people who can't come to church. People whose health reasons are, you know what? I, my, I'm too, I'm too nervous about catching this this virus. I can't come. I am not talking about this. Okay. If you have a genuine concern or a genuine reason why you can't come and gather together and be with and care for one another, that is totally different. But if you willingly choose to just let no one else who is a believer be around you and you want nothing to do with anyone else, it's really hard to build up a care and a concern for somebody else who you never see. It's really hard, really difficult. If you don't know... That we had a family in our church this week who had two cars break in one day and they got sick. If you don't know, we had people in our church who just in the past week had, had a surgery. We have people in here who physically it's really hard for them to get here daily. You don't know that if you refuse to spend time together with each other. You don't know what the other people are going through. This is why it's important to go to a group. Because you get to group thinking, I'm the only one going through whatever it is. And then you get there and you're like, oh, they fight with their husband too. Oh, look at that. And gathering together and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us together gives us a genuine care and concern for each other. Where now I see you for who you are. A person loved by God and I love you, and I want to help you. How can I care for you? And caring for each other just fills us with the Spirit of God. Ironically, what we do is we claim to be burnt out, and we stop attending, and really we've just run out of fuel, and we need to be refilled. So rather than stopping, we need to gather and worship rather than stopping reading the Bible we need to have someone teach it to us rather than stopping in our prayer life we need to pray more the answer is not to stop because you feel burnt out the answer is actually to be refueled and refilled and this takes place in this passage that we just read you know how we know it says they had all things in common do you know what they were doing when they were selling these houses that we read about? They were literally feeding widows and orphans. They were just saying, hey, I have two houses. You have none. I'm going to sell my house and so that you can eat. And this is the mission and this is the church. The blueprint of a church is that we gather together and we care for each other with genuine concern and generosity. Next they had unity. I got to finish. They had unity. Then they had grace within for each other. Grace. The Bible says great grace was upon them. We need grace for each other in an ungraceful period of time. I mean, are you kidding me? Right now you cut someone off, they might cut co- they might come hit you with a car. Like you know you accidentally do something in the line at, at the at Kroger, you're going to get yelled at. There's seemingly less and less grace and the church needs to be the place where grace abounds. You know what needs to happen when you get your shot and the other person doesn't? We both need to have grace for each other. Do you know what needs to happen when one of you votes for this guy and one of you votes for this guy? Grace needs to occur between each other. When you think, hey, I think about this and you think this about this, grace needs to occur. Because church needs to be the place where grace exists, not where it's a vacuum. Not where I just don't agree with you, so I'm not going to forgive you ever again because you happened to like the Browns and not the Bengals. Grace needs to be the place where we forgive. Church needs to be the place where grace exists. What we do is all counterintuitive to the Gospels. I'm mad at you, so I'm not coming is not the answer. I'm mad at you, so I'm going to forgive you is the answer. And we're going to spend time together learning and growing and giving grace. This was the church. This was the church. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I don't know how you want to apply all this in your life. I recognize it is a lot of information. But one of those things is care and concern for each other. And another one is prayer. So I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm not going to have you come up here or tell people what you need prayer for, okay? Some of you right now are like, uh-oh, he's gonna... we're not going to do that. What I'm going to ask you to do is right now, if you have a health problem in your life or in the life of someone you know, would you just let us know by raising your hand? My hand is raised. Okay, there's hands all over. How about if you have some type of just issue with another person that you're asking God to resolve can you raise your hand hands all over how about this I just have something on my heart that I just need prayer for would you raise your hand there are hands everywhere would you keep your hands raised I have a person that I just need someone to pray for would you raise your hand I want you to see each other. I need you to see each other with your hands raised to see that there are people around you who are genuine people who need prayer in their life. They're genuine people who need prayer. We have families who desperately need prayer. Families whose health situations is struggling right now. People who are overcome with panic or anxiety or fear. They need prayer. And we need to see that the world around us needs prayer. And then we need to pray for each other. So I'm going to ask you, today we're going to pray with our eyes open. I'm going to ask you to look around and see someone. I don't. You don't have to go talk to them. You ain't got to get in their face. You ain't got to heal them on the spot. All right. But I'm going to ask you, just pray for each other as the church as I pray. Pray for each other. It's a hard year, if you haven't noticed. We need prayer. Pray for each other. And then we'll sing and we'll be done. I'm going to pray. Pray for each other. We need each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're gracious, kind, just, holy, and righteous. God, we need you. We need you. We need your presence. You are the creator of the universe, the one who gives us everything that is good and pleasant. Every perfect gift comes from you. See the hands, Father, of those who need prayer and be with them in a great way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.